Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. It is great to be with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, we live in a world where 60% of us aren't happy with the size of our body or how we look. That's just what the surveys say. So today, let's dig into a big debate, and that is, can you be fat and fit at the same time? Do we need to torture ourselves to meet a particular body mass index score, or can you be healthy at any size? Let's turn to obesity specialist at the University of Sydney in Australia, Dr. Nick Fuller. He's the host of the Nine Minutes to Better Health podcast and the founder of the Interval Weight Loss Program. So let's jump right in. Dr. Nick, let's see where you stand. Can you be fat and fit at the same time? Absolutely. It, the evidence is clear that, you know, while being overweight does increase um, a person's risk of, of a range of health issues and metabolic diseases, such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and cancers. There's a lot of other research to show that uh, a person's disease risk is not actually linked to weight, but instead body fat, and especially where it's distributed in, in the body. Uh, we get caught up on BMI calculators uh, as, as sort of a, a be-all and end-all for our weight and where we should be. But what we should be doing is actually focusing on other measures uh, like waist circumference, um, uh, uh, blood, blood um, parameters, because they give a better indication of our overall health. And particularly, um, what I'm referring to here is how much visceral fat we have, because this is a type of, of unhealthy fat that's stored around the stomach, uh, close to the organs. Um, and people with a high amount of visceral fat actually have a higher risk of disease than people who hold uh, body fat around their hips. So I guess coming back to your question, Lee, you can absolutely be um, clinically diagnosed as overweight or having obesity, but still healthy. Good to hear that. So let's talk just a bit about that visceral fat. So we're talking here about fat that is inside the abdominal muscle wall. So not the fat on the outside, but on the inside where it's actually in contact with your organs. What is there about this visceral fat that makes it that much more dangerous? You're spot on. So visceral fat is stopping the body from working efficiently. If fat is stored around the organs, it's preventing them um, from doing their job. And this is where that sort of um, overweight or, or obesity but healthy discussion comes into play. Because, for example, if you have a very healthy lifestyle, and one that includes regular physical activity, you're going to have a low visceral fat, even if you have a high total body fat, because you're going to be storing the body fat in different places and in different ways. And this is why it's important to move um, you know, away from focusing on just BMI. It's a good starting point. It gives you an idea of where you sit um, on the scale, but it's not something that you should be focusing on. So what we can be doing is, is using a waist circumference for that. 
and putting a tape measure around your stomach, use starting point as your belly button. So make sure it's square on bare skin and using a waist measurement of less than 88 centimetres for females and less than 102 centimetres for men. Now, to put yourself at even lower risk or very low risk of heart disease and cancers, it'll be less than 80 centimetres for women and less than 94 centimetres for men. So, yeah, you start looking at your health as a holistic um, picture. I understand. Is is the challenge here that that visceral fat is crowding my organs or is there something else about it? My understanding is that it's it's very hormonally active and it causes inflammation. That's right. It does. It does cause inflammation. It's, it's actually preventing the organ from doing its job efficiently. So when um, fat is surrounding and getting into organs like our pancreas, it's, it's, it's limiting the production of insulin, which then is released into the bloodstream to lower our blood sugar levels. So if we don't have enough insulin getting out into the blood, our blood sugar levels will be staying high. Think of visceral fat as, a, a, I guess, a limiting factor to your organs working efficiently. Like cholesterol, when cholesterol is dumped into your arteries, it builds up over time and the artery actually narrows, preventing that artery from doing its job. And in that case, allowing blood flow to the heart. So visceral fat is something that is stored in and around organs and an unhealthy lifestyle will lead to a buildup of visceral fat over time. Yeah, I've heard it called vicious fat for that reason. It's kind of the same, right? Absolutely. Um, so I may not be happy that I'm carrying a lot of junk in the trunk. I've got a big booty or, or maybe I'm just kind of big all over. That's not quite the risk as if it's inside me. Can I, be, can I have one or the other or do they come together? You can definitely be, again, can clinically diagnose as overweight or, or having obesity on that BMI scale. So, you know, mm-hmm. greater than 25 um, is considered overweight, greater than 30 Um, is considered uh, obesity on that that BMI index. But also remember that um, there's other limiting factors of of BMI and and the muscle is much denser than fat. So it's another thing that the BMI can't measure. So it can incorrectly put someone in that overweight range when they have a higher muscle-to-fat ratio. So a BMI calculator can classify you as overweight um, or even um, obese, but... If you're physically fit, you know, you have a healthy diet, uh, good sleep habits, and you have fat stored around your hips, you could actually be healthier than someone with a BMI in the normal range if they don't exercise or eat a healthy diet. So I guess that's answering your question. You can actually be at that higher end of the BMI um, calculator, but if you're active every day, you're following a, a balanced, healthy diet, good, good sleep routine, Um, even if you have a higher fat percentage, it's going to be largely subcutaneous fat, which is not dangerous, and therefore you could be healthier than someone with a BMI in that normal range. So don't um, get caught up on how much body fat you have or what BMI score um, you have as well. So let's say that I come to you with a BMI of 30 or greater, which is technically obese. How are you going to determine what tests or how are you going to determine if I'm fit underneath some of that fat? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is actually measure your waist circumference. I'm going to see 
how much visceral fat you have using um, other indicators, remember, outside of BMI. I'm also going to send you away for blood tests so that I can check your risk factors for diabetes and heart disease. And I'll also take um, other measurements like your blood pressure and heart rate. That'll give me a more holistic picture of what your health looks like. Now, coming back to your question, I'm also then going to get an idea of what sort of activity you're doing day to day, get a, get a better picture of, of you know, um, your food or dietary intake and your sleep routine, because all of that together then gives me a better indication as to whether you could be, again, overweight but healthy. Again, that happy news comes from Dr. Nick Fuller, an obesity specialist in Sydney, Australia. America is number one in the world when it comes to obesity, and our kids, our grandkids, are paying the price. Childhood obesity is a big problem, but we're going to focus on that another day. Today, we're taking a look at being fit while you carry extra fat and then feeling good about it. What's the formula for success and why are diets not part of the answer? Lots of good stuff yet to come, but let me slip in a quick invitation to visit our website. Drop me a note. I read every message and you'll always get a personal reply. And while you're there, join our mailing list to get advance notice of what we're covering each week. Just go to our website, healthcall.live. As I said, lots more ahead about being fit and fat at the same time when we return on the Health Call Radio Hour. This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Okay, time to get brutally honest. Can you pinch an inch on your body? Just how big is your belly or your backside? Carrying a little extra flab here or there? You may not like how it looks, but the good news is that doesn't have to put your overall health at risk. Just a few minutes ago, obesity specialist Dr. Nick Fuller from the University of Sydney in Australia told us you can indeed be fat and fit at the same time. He says doctors would do their patients a favor by helping them understand dieting just to drop the number on the bathroom scale is all wrong. Instead, he says we should be focusing on exercise that makes our muscles stronger and revs up our metabolism. It's very important, and this is something that we're neglecting. Two days per week should include body strengthening exercises. Now, these can be done in the comfort of your own home, particularly if you have you know, that sort of fear of the environment where you're going into a gymnasium and, and you've got the, the, the ripped bodies, etc. What you want to be doing, more importantly, is engaging in regular daily activity, but where you feel comfortable and where you feel happy. Now, if you are going to the gym, as you just mentioned, Lee, it's not about getting on the, on the, um, the treadmill every day. It's about mixing up what you do. So I think what people fail to understand is that aerobic exercise is not, not the answer. It should be a mix of aerobic and aerobic and strength training. So every time you're going into the gym, you should be doing something different. You've got to think of yourself like an athlete. If you mix up what you're doing, you're going to see gradual improvements in your performance over time. If you give an athlete the same training program day in, day out, 
they'll, they'll plateau off and they'll stop seeing improvements. The other thing you need to consider if you are carrying extra excess weight is that you've got extra stress going through your knees and joint, knees and hips, for example, your joints, which means you are more susceptible to injury. So to reduce or eliminate your risk of getting injured and then not being able to do any activity, you need to incorporate a lot of non-body weight bearing activity. So an example would be one day I go to the gym, I might get on the treadmill. Now the next day I might actually get in the pool or I might get on the bike if it's the winter months in the comfort of my own TV or in the gym. But again, taking the stress off the joints and, and performing an activity that's going to allow you to stick to your exercise routine long term. So a day of body weight followed by a day of non-body weight. And again, don't just fixate on the gym or the structured activity. We need to focus on the incidental activity. Now that's where we incorporate more activity or exercise as part of our day-to-day life. Parking further away at the shops, using the stairs instead of the lifts, for example. Yeah. You know, uh, here's a tip. Um, It may be blatantly obvious, but... um if you're an old guy like me and you go during the midday hours, early afternoon, late morning, uh, a lot of those young muscle buffs are they're at work. You know, we we're, we feel pretty comfortable. I feel pretty comfortable in the gym around a bunch of folks who are like me with some gray hair and a little loose. You know what I mean? That is a good um, tip. It's about getting that time when, when it, that works for you, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be scared of that environment. Where we're less likely to go back. Exactly. Can I exercise myself thin? I mean, I know a lot of people want to reshape their bodies. Like we said earlier, junk in the truck or trunk, or maybe I've got a, a, a big beer belly kind of scenario. Can I exercise my way through that? Exercise plays such a vital part of any weight management project. If you're about to embark on a weight loss or diet journey, if that weight loss program does not advise or prescribe some sort of exercise or physical activity routine, I'd be greatly concerned. And here's why. You can be overweight or you can be classified as obesity and clinically diagnosed as having obesity, but still be healthy. And that comes down to largely how much exercise or physical activity you're doing. So you may not see any change in the scales But what you will be seeing with that daily activity and daily incorporation of of exercise is an improvement in your health. Your blood cholesterol is going to be coming down. Your blood sugar level will be improving. Your blood pressure is going to be going in the right direction. Even though your weight or the number on the scales may not be going down. The large reason why the number doesn't go down on the scales when we start our exercise program is because very few of us have a high baseline starting point. Most of us are barely meeting the measly 30 minutes of moderate intensity activity prescribed by governing bodies each day. So we start our activity programs. All we're doing is getting to that level that's considered healthy for heart health. Focus on those health benefits that you're going to be getting from exercise and make sure exercise is part of your weight loss program. Now, the second thing is that why exercise is so important, even if it it won't see you three or four size belt sizes less or dress sizes less. It's going to help you with prevention of weight regain. When you lose weight, you want to be losing weight from predominantly body fat stores. If you're losing it from body fat and muscle stores, that is not setting you up for long-term success because muscle is the 
determining factor of our metabolic rate or how quickly or how efficiently we burn calories at rest. So if you're focusing on a weight loss program that includes diet and exercise, when you're losing the weight, you're going to be losing it predominantly from body fat stores, holding onto your muscle stores. So when you've lost that goal amount of weight you're working towards, you still have the muscle, which means your metabolism is still going to be revving along and it's going to help you keep that weight off long term. As opposed to someone who's just followed a diet, not, done, not focused on any exercise or physical activity incorporation into their weight loss program, they're going to be losing it predominantly from body fat stores They're going to lo- and muscle stores. They're going to be lowering their metabolism. When they hit their goal weight, they're more likely to regain back to they were, where they were because they've had a detrimental uh, effect on their metabolism. So exercise is crucial. That's why you say that diets actually make you fat, right? I mean, that whole rebound effect? It's, it's a large part of it. But the other reason is because, remember, diets aren't actually addressing the real reason why we regain weight. We have this biological imperative to go back to our starting point. And what I mean by that in layman's terms is that when you start losing weight, your body starts working differently because it says, hang on, in order to survive and procreate, I need to go back to my starting point. So consequently, you have this cascade of physiological responses taking place in the body to ensure that you put the weight back on that you lost. An example is our appetite hormones. They actually go up and tell you to eat more as you start to, to lose weight so that you put more calories in your body and you put, more, put the fat back on or weight back on that you lost. So this is why diets aren't succeeding long-term because they're not actually addressing the biological reason why we regain weight. And then the second part is that they're not helping us form habits that last a lifetime. I mean, we can all follow these four, eight, 12-week programs that tell us how many calories to count, what foods to cut out, and the strict militant exercise programs to follow, but it's not sustainable long-term. Eventually, we say, what the hell? We go back to our old ways and our old habits creep back in. So any weight loss program needs to address the physiological changes that take place within our body, and secondly, help you form habits that last a lifetime. That is Dr. Nick Fuller, an obesity specialist from Australia. If you'd like to know more, you can check out his 9 Minutes to Better Health podcast and visit his website where he explains interval weight loss. I've got links in the show notes, and you'll find it on our website at healthcall.live. You know, I feel better knowing that carrying a few extra pounds into retirement years are nothing to worry about as long as I focus on exercise that builds muscle keep my waist size below 40 inches, and keep myself moving, keep on the go. I hope you heard something today that empowers you, knowing you can be a little squishy here and there, but be fit at the same time. Got to run. Time's gone. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts, or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour.
podcast by Federated Media.